Today's reading is from Luke 1, 26 to 38, 46 to 55. It can be found on page 944 of the Bible next to your seat, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, in a town, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inner, inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Our God of grace. As we come into this room, there's been lots of noise, lots of sounds. Suddenly it's quiet. As we come into this room, we may be coming from noisy lives. Quite likely, we're coming from very noisy lives. Some of it we don't like, and we wish we could get a quiet space. Some of us fill our life with noise to drown out other things. We come from all kinds of different places, different journeys, different levels of belief and doubt. Some of us come uh, suffering in our life right now in a way that we never have before. Maybe it even helps to suddenly realize, yeah, this is suffering is what I'm doing right now. Some of us are coming with that, processing that, trying to wonder if we can get through it. Others are coming with joy, relief. Things suddenly have come together, even though they hadn't for a long time. Or others of us come having had faith at one point and now having so much doubt, we wonder if we belong here at all. Others maybe have been dragged here this morning by a friend. And while we like the singing, perhaps there's uh, other stuff that gives us pause. And as we come from all these places, the truth is we're more broken, each of us, than we care to admit. We're all in the same boat. We're a mess. Even if we don't want to admit it, it's true. 
But you see it. You know it. And you move towards it. You came into our world and moved towards mess, into mess, experienced the brokenness, the mess, the pain, the suffering, the grief, in order to redeem, in order to save us from it, in order to take the burden off our shoulders and carry it for us. Would you speak to us now through this Christmas time message with that kind of grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I found a new website that's, that really resonates with me because I can never seem to hear song lyrics correctly. And the website is... The lighting's a little weird here. There we go. The website is kissthisguy.com. Few of you know the song reference for that. Um, you know the Jimi Hendrix song, Purple Haze. Um, so a lot of times people have... You know, that's like the, the biggest one, the biggest one where people hear it wrong. Excuse me while I kiss this guy instead of kiss the sky. And another one, another uh, mishearing of that song is, excuse me, I'm a business guy. You got the song by ABBA, or ABBA, Dancing Queen. So this is what someone heard. This is the misheard lyric. See that girl, watch her scream, kicking the dancing queen. (laughs) Of course, the real line is, see that girl, watch that scene, dig in the dancing queen. I honestly never knew that was the... I just don't hear the words in songs. And there's the REM song, Losing My Religion, that someone misheard it as saying, let's pee in the corner, let's pee in the spotlight. And, uh, of course, that's not the real lyric. The real lyric is, that's me in the corner, that's me in the spotlight. Uh, Another one from Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Anybody like that song? All right. So the the misheard lyric is, the algebra has a devil for a sidekick, E. (laughs) And and the real lyric is, Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me. And of course, neither one of those makes sense. Um, Let's see, this is the last one. This is a good old Elvis tune. Hound dog, you ain't nothing but a hound dog, right? Crying all the time. You ain't never pornographic and you ain't no friend of mine. That's what someone heard, and the real line is, you ain't never caught a rabbit, and you ain't no friend of mine. So, you know, I, I think about songs, and I think about how, for me, a song is just why, it's all about why, why to sing. You know, it's the mood, it's the feeling, and the lyrics are just kind of a jumble to me. I never hear the lyrics, especially of, like, classic rock and roll type songs that you hear. I, I just never hear them. I have children who hear the lyrics better than me, and I, and I look down and I say, I've been hearing that song for 20 years. I had no idea those were the words. Thank you for telling me. Um, and then there's the people, you know, like, like I said, there's those who hear the words, you know, they're just zoned in hearing those lyrics. And in a sense, we're going to look at both aspects of Mary's song today. Mary sings, we call it the Magnificat, because the first words in Latin of her song that we just read, we call it a song. It doesn't say she was singing, but it's composed like a poetic song in the first word uh, my soul magnifies in Latin, starts as Magnificat. So we call this the Magnificat. It's a, one of the most famous songs of the Bible. So we look at it and we say, okay, why is she singing? And then what is she singing? The cause and the content, really. There's an unexpected um, surprise, really, that we are meant to wonder about as we look at the question of why is she singing? See, in the Bible, there's a pattern. 
And Elizabeth, who actually, it's interesting, Elizabeth frames the story of Mary because at the beginning of what we just read, um, Elizabeth is mentioned. And then at the end of what we read, Elizabeth is mentioned again. There's a little bit of a comparison going here. And in Elizabeth's story, the birth announcement fits the pattern. Mary's diverges from the pattern. Elizabeth's goes like this, and this is the standard pattern. It has been so long since God's people have seemed to be in his favor, but God intervenes now to move his salvation plan forward, and he does this through a surprise pregnancy of a woman who is infertile or too old or both. And that's Elizabeth's surprise. That's her joy, and that's John the Baptist coming more of the standard pattern. And Luke says, this kind of clues us into this, it's very, very biblical, very much in the Bible's way of telling a story like that. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both well advanced in years. Now friends, that's not Mary's story. Sure, God intervening. Yes, very clear. God is intervening for his salvation plan. Pregnancy, yes. But something's remarkably different. I mean, you understand why maybe a 60-something-year-old woman is rejoicing that she's finally giving birth because of God's plan. But Mary doesn't have that reason when she sings. In fact, you could view her finding out that she's going to be pregnant without the help of another person like her would-be husband Joseph as being kind of downer news, you know? Uh, what's she going to do, tell everyone that, oh, it's really not Joseph's, it's an angel visited me. You know, she would almost give herself um, immediate scorn and derision for the rest of her life. Oh, she's the one who had a child without the help of any man. Uh-huh, yeah. So you can almost see, like, this isn't necessarily big and positive news for Mary's life right away. This doesn't solve a problem for her. This doesn't immediately make things better, like with, with Elizabeth. So we look to the bigger reason. The bigger reason, you see, as the angel declares why this is happening... Verses 31 through 33, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And listen to the regal kingly language here. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over jo ja Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's verse 31. 32 and 33. Elizabeth had a small personal reason. Mary has not that obvious initial reason, but something bigger, something more distant, something grander that she has to enter into, that she has to consider, that God is bringing the final king to make all things right. In the Bible, starting in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we find God comfortably using kingdom language and the kingdom metaphor to teach us about himself and how he works. In the Old Testament, Abraham, the covenant with Abraham is one of these ancient Near Eastern um, king and smaller king kind of covenants that were very common in the day. And that's the form it takes to say something about God. In the New Testament, um, Jesus comes and starts saying right away as his ministry begins and his teaching begins, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then in the New Testament we see, and still today, Christians beginning to use a very kingdom-type word to describe the whole ball of wax. Gospel. 
gospel had initially the, the word comes from uh, it's a Greek word and it relates to a message coming to a land from far away to declare the victory of a king and the new enthronement of that king in the land. So to hear the gospel is like this. It's like, hey everyone, hear the gospel. The good new king has won victory and taken the throne. Finally there will be peace and goodness throughout the lands. That's, that's what Mary is singing about. That's what's happening with Christmas. That's what you're invited. That's what, as you hear all of the songs of this season, and I love turning on immediately the Pandora hol- holiday mixes, you know, right after Thanksgiving, I just get it going and just let the music kind of bring me into the season. What is all that singing about? It's not about small news in our personal lives. It's about God's big news making its way into all that is not well in our world. You know, this, this week, in the middle of the week, I did something I haven't done before, and it was a, a time of the day where I was setting some time aside for prayer, and I, I text messaged everyone I could think of uh, within the City Life community and said, basically, how can I pray for you? How, I'm setting aside some time. How can I intercede for you and lift you up? And uh, we talk about, you know, God breaking into our world. My cell phone seemed to get broken into with all these new things. It was just popping up and popping up. It was apparently a great question, well-timed question to ask, because immediately I was let into all these parts of people's lives. A lot of them tough, some of them celebrative. So suddenly now, in the middle of the week, I'm praying for fighting going on in one marriage, Another friend, another person having friends filing for divorce, someone grieving a death, someone, multiple people stressed out over work or stressed out at school. I'm praying for cancer. I'm praying for acceptance, for sanity. I'm praying about someone's anxiety. I'm praying for friendship for someone else. I'm praying for hope and peace. For someone else, I'm praying about exhaustion. I'm praying for someone's broken heart, for healing, for understanding, for wisdom. These are all things that were just coming at me to pray for. What is Mary singing about? What are we singing about in this season? What is this baby about? Which of those things is that baby about? All of them. The king has come. The king has come into this world flesh and blood to be enthroned. Just wait for the ripple effects of his rule to come and put it all back together and put our world to rights. That's the incarnation. Now, that's the, that's the why. That's why Mary's singing. It's not just a small personal thing. It's a grand, big thing that you're, you're invited to enter into this season. But then there's the content of her song. What is Real quickly, what does she sing about? There's so much packed in here. Let me just point out two words that she uses, it juxtaposes, uses them both twice. There's the word might and the word mercy, both related to God. In verses 49, verse 50, verse 51, and verse 54. Mighty one, mercy, mighty deeds, merciful. These two terms, might and mercy. First of all, might. Might. God is strong. Um, We see... uh, we see videos when something big, powerful happens in the weather, and we, you see videos of that. I mean, you might go on YouTube, um, 
and click on something and watch and just have your eyes open. I remember seeing videos of the tsunami in Japan and just, I couldn't take my eyes off the sheer power, the overwhelming sense of the power of the, that much water being moved all at once. The angel says to Mary, I think this, is, this should be terrifying. When the angel says to Mary, um, she says, well, how's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That should be terrifying to Mary. Because quite frankly, in the Bible, the Bible invites you, in terms of God's power, the Bible invites you to see yourself as very, in a very humble place before that power. In a sense, God could squash me. And this is the even more disturbing than that. Not that God could, but that I am squash worthy. That if you go with the Bible's narrative, who are we and how do we fit in, we're squash worthy. And so what I love about this is that Mary is told that, she didn't just get told that God is powerful, but that the mighty power of God is going to overshadow her. And then afterwards she sings about it. Um, so she's not struck with the terror that she should be. It's a squash-worthy being. She sings. Why? Because of this uh, second word. Maybe you're waiting for me to say, mercy, mercy. It's, she sings about might and mercy already apparent to her. And the angel makes sure by using these words, favor, you found favor. And then Mary sings about mercy, this merciful God. She knows as this promise has been given that God is going to enter into the, the form of a, human being, a small little baby, that this for sure means that as God breaks into our world, it's not to squash. It is not to squash. This is a powerful message to the world forever, that in terms of what God wants to do and how God wants to work, he decides to to move into solidarity with us, to move into um, redeeming and drawing us back and not squashing us. A necessary realization on that journey of God's mercy is, I mean, don't skip over this, to see yourself as squash-worthy. We've made ourselves collectively and individually polluters of God's good world. Whether you want to look at your selfishness, our divisions, your greed, you name it. But what a relief to find out that even though that's us, we have a reason to sing. God's mercy, God's mercy wins out. And that his powerful, mighty arm, if you imagine how giant and big this is, comes and actually gets embodied in a tiny little infant arm. You know what infant arms do? They're they're not yet fully connected. Um, Someone else can explain why, but they're not fully connected to um, all that's going on in the brain. And so they just kind of move unwillingly a lot. And with my kids, what that would often do is they'd wake themselves up with a jerk of their arm. And so you have to bring that arm in and swaddle so that they can rest at peace. The giant arm of the universe, its great might, comes into the small arm making unwilling movements and having to get tucked in by Mary. And she was there later in his life when that arm was stretched up 
And that arm, the other arm was stretched up as well, as because of he was the son of God, like this angel prepares her to understand, he could carry, his arms were strong, and he came with the power of God so that as death, and as the squash, as God the Father squashes him in our place, he's still the mighty king, and up from the grave he arose. Because death doesn't squash him like it would squash us. Mary sings. And that's what this season is inviting you to sing about. The king has come. The promise of the world getting fixed is before us. And although he has great might, and some of you have problems in your life, and you're going to be praying to God's mighty arm, and you should. He comes also with incredible tender grace to save. Let us pray. God, I pray that you move in our hearts and in our minds and in our um, bodies in this season. Um, As we look to you and puzzle over the mystery of the incarnation, may we walk the next days of this week in your presence, wondering about your power and your might, wondering why you came, what that has to do with us, and how you have made us into children of the King. Through Christ's name, amen.